seeing you. All right, so let's get started here. So just to go over what we've, what we've said over the last couple of weeks in this part of, uh, of this presentation of the series, we've been talking now about the position of Chazal in relation to secular studies. And specifically, what we've, what we've talked about is the opinion of Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua said that you're allowed to study secularism or, or Greek wisdom as referred to in Chazal at a time that's not day or night. And we talked about the fact that from Rabbi Yeshua himself, it seems that he was far more aware of secular wisdom than he perhaps let on uh, in that statement. How did we know? Because of his knowledge of the spheres, of the constellations, his knowledge of, of uh, uh, fairy tales, his uh, ability to speak in pantomime and riddles in Hermazen, like the Greeks. So all of these are elements that seem to suggest that Rabbi Yeshua, despite the fact that he said to his own right, uh, nephew that he couldn't do it, then nevertheless he himself was aware of it. So how did he become so aware that he knew how to speak to the, to the Roman procurator, to the min, to the minim, and Ramazan, how did he know all this knowledge if he himself thought it was us to do? We leave that as a, a question. And we also discussed the second major reason that we see in Chazal, which is in relation to Bidl Torah, right? That we said, or that, I'm sorry, that that is the reason Rabbi Shurim relates to Bidl Torah. And then we said a second reason that the reason that you're not allowed to study Greek wisdom is not in relation to Bidl Torah so much as it's in relation to the fact that is a curse that was placed upon my Chazal that anybody who's going to teach their son we said that that curse was specifically in relation to what? It was specifically in relation to the exigency or the problems that they were facing at that time, namely the fact that there was this internecine battle going on among the Jewish people between Horkernes and Aristobulus. Initially it was the Yehudim Right, the, uh, versus the Misyavnim. Um, and then later on, it became a situation where the corruption, the fighting, the infighting was so deep and so endemic, nobody was getting along at all. They were fighting like cats and dogs. They could no longer bring the carbon tumbent because of some old man that had was lost with Achman Sifanis. So they made a curse that our, anybody also the teacher's son, Achman Sifanis. So on this reason, not a reason per se, but it's a reason because somehow studying this wisdom causes you to eventually be willing to let the temple be destroyed. Not destroyed, just physically being destroyed, but destroyed, but even if it's bad, it won't be used. You don't care. We said that on this reason, though, there's a big hole, which is that what happens if you're not teaching your son? What happens if you want to study yourself? What happens if you want to teach your daughter? And so this we discussed last week, we discussed the position of Rabbi Avo. That Rabbi Avo says that it's mutter for a person to teach his daughter Yavanis. Why? Because a tax is it's a it's a it's an adornment for your daughter to know Yavanis. And so then we discussed a, a bunch about Rabbi Avo. Who was Rabbi Avo? It was the rabbi of Caesarea? Who was Rabbi Avo? 
he was sung about by the maidens, by the by the by the matrons. They all would sing songs about he's the Medabarnov or as Ame, he's the one who's the spokesperson of his nation. He had dealings with Minim, he did Tanakh, he didn't just know Gemara because he had to interact with all the heretics to explain to them the questions they had on Sukkim. This is Rabbi Avo. So Rabbi Avo said that it's a toxic for your daughter, it's mutter to teach your daughter your fun to permit it because it's an adornment for her. And of course, Rabbi Bar, Shimbarba, says, what are you talking about? You just, you know, wanted to teach your daughter your fun so you blamed it on Rabbi Yechman's big sefer that, you, that he gives you the imprimatur for that. But Rabbi Avos says, what are you talking about? 100% I heard this from Rabbi Yechanan, and I should get really punished badly if I didn't hear this from Rabbi Yechanan. So according to Rabbi Avos comes out, then that this idea of not teaching Greek, or not studying Greek, seems not to be relevant. Because if you're teaching your daughter Greek, presumably what? You're allowed to learn Greek yourself. And B, you're allowed, if, even if you can't teach your son, you're allowed to teach your daughter. So he said, and we talked about the Rabbi Avol, what an amazing person he was. We talked about his personality. He was such an honor. He was a very handsome person. But it seems pretty clear that at least from the position of Rabbi Avol and anybody who would agree with him, that you're allowed to study yourself and you're allowed to teach your daughter. It's not that it's a mitzvah to teach your daughter, but it's mutter because it, it's an adornment for her. That's where we left off last week. So I, I wanted to move on with a little bit of Rabbi Avo before we move on, because there's one more story in that Gemara and Sarit. I think it's a very beautiful story. It it sort of explains uh, um, the world 2,000 years ago, and as you can see, there's no real difference today. So the Gemara says that there was a two competing shirim. You know, if you ever go to one of these Shabbat homes, you know they have like 10 classes, and if you go to the big ones, right? Not that they have 10 classes all through Shabbos, one after the other. They have 20 classes, two of them taking place at the same time, sometimes three. Right? If you go to this, some of these fairly big places, you have a choice. It's like a, and it's, it's, like a, it's like a buffet. You choose whatever you want to go to here. So at that time, there was a buffet of speeches. There's Rabbi Avo giving a speech, and there's Rabbi Chibar Abba giving a speech. Rabbi Chibar Abba is giving a speech, the Gemara says, on halacha. And Ravo, as we've said, he's a big expert in talking to heretics. He's a big expert in talking about things that other people like, which is Agadita. He's giving a speech on Agadita. And who do you think uh, had a bigger crowd? By the way, as I said, these Gemaras, it's one of the reasons it's so exciting to study Gemaras because so many of the things that we care about today, we see right then. One of my favorite Gemaras is Barbara Basra. Gemara says that. There was, uh, at that time, right, there was Boaz and Manayach. Manayach was who? Was Shimshon's dad. So when Shimshon was coming to make Kasana, so, right, he, sorry, when, when Boaz was coming to make Kasana, the, the Pesach tells us that he had many, many children. So the, the Gemara says that Boaz said he's not inviting Manayach to the Kasana. Why? Because he says this mule, remember, Manayach had no children. They had Shimshon late in life. It says this mule has no children. Mules, right? They can't have kids, right? It's a it's a mix of a donkey and a horse. It says this mule. He's never gonna have children to invite me to his chasanas and his bar mitzvahs. I'm gonna invite him to mine, right? We can imagine such a thing today, right? 
not so bad to imagine that you want to make a you want to make a, a simcha, and um, you know, who am I going to put on my guest list? Are they going to come? Are they going to invite me back? Are they going to give me a prayer? Like these are the kinds of questions that existed two thousand years ago. It's not a new thing. In fact, by the way, the Rambam Paskins, if you look there in Hilchasisha, the Rambam says it's very different from today, right? Don't don't ever bother telling your wife some of these halachas. It's not not worth it. Right? So the Rambam says you're allowed to let your wife out, like you know, once a month, you know, to go out to you know, the market, etc. Normally she should be sitting with Karen service at the corner, you know, quietly. But you know, once a month, twice a month to go out to the market to potatoes, you know, to see her. But he says, but when it comes to the chasanas, when it comes to shiva, when it comes to things that like, you know, she has to do it, she has to do it. Because always no one's going to come to her simchas. No one's going to come to her availus. So you see, again, that these issues have been around with us for a very long time. <laughs> All right, so going back to this story. So there's two competing shiur. Rabbi Vo is giving a big shear, And Rabbi is giving a shear, And everybody goes to Rabbi Vo. He probably had better stories. All the heretics that he dealt with, all the people in Kesaria, he gets a big crowd. And if Kibarab is probably doing, you know, some some brisket part or something like that, very nice, very intellectual, nobody comes. And if Kibarab is very angry. He's very upset. And Gemara says that every single day, if Kibarab would accompany Rabbi Avo. Why? Mishum Yukur de Bekesa. Remember we said that the Rabbi was very close to the Caesar, the Roman procurator at that point in time. Why? Because he had, he had dealings with him. And they would sing in the maidens or the, or the matrons, right? They would sing songs to him when he would come there to visit the, the governor. So on that day, instead of Rabbi being the lava, Rabbi Avo, so he was so angry that no one came to his shear. He, he accompanied him. He was Malava him. And the Gemara says it wasn't enough that day. Didn't make Rabbi Rab happy. He was still angry about it, even though Rabbi Bo is going out of his way to show that he's Machni himself to Rabbi Rabba. No, but you should be clear: the Gemara doesn't say that Rabbi Rabba is a bigger Torah scholar than Rabbi Bo. The Gemara says not. The Gemara says that when they wanted to make, they wanted to give Rabbi Rabba a big titular position, you know, like Rav Ha'ir, they wanted to give him a salary, but he saw that Rabbi Rabba was very poor, didn't have the money, so he refused to take it. He says the bigger Torah scholar than me. Give him the job. So the idea being that this is what the Gemara and Saito was saying about the Invasanusai Shav Kibarab. Remember, we talked about last week that when Kibarab's wife was talking to his translator's wife, the Metorgaman's wife, the Metorgaman's wife said, We don't need you. The only reason we even like listen to you and like heed your instruction and act as your Metorgaman is why? Because you're so close to the Caesar, so we have to be afraid of you. But really, my husband can give just as good a shear as you. And Rabbi Avol's wife was very upset on behalf of her husband. She tells her husband, it's so terrible what they're saying. And he says, what's the big deal between him or me giving shear? As long as the name of God is being sanctified, it's enough. This is the Anivas of Rabbi Avol, so we should understand that we're talking about it. Just even if it's Ezgo Mashu, when we're talking about a person, who, yes, maybe said his learning Greek is a passion for his daughter. But as a person, as a personality, this is an ethereal person. Somebody who is totally able to divorce himself from all the ego and all the, and all the salacious things that most people are dependent on in this world. All right, so moving on. And now we are going to continue.
So we have a what do you call? The next, the next bit of this is a Gemara. I want to conclude this section with this Gemara Meila. We talked about that according to Chazal, even if it was usher for a person to teach his son Chachmatzivanes, even if you were cursed if you call yourself Chachmatzivanes, nevertheless, when it came a situation of what, when it came a situation of being Karavlamachas, having a certain closeness to the government, you were mutter to do to study the Greek, to study the secular wisdom. Why is that? Because of the fact that you needed it. You needed to be in with the cultural milieu. If you look, by the way, for example, uh, in England, if you uh, um, listen to Satmah Hasidim, uh, Belzim Hasidim in England, you'll hear they speak with a very nice English accent. They can speak perfect English and they speak with a nice accent. You go to other sort of Hasidim, same Hasidim here in America, they can't speak English. They speak English with a with, with like they just you know with the Yiddish accent. They just got off the boat. The girls speak better English. But if you look if you if you look at English, it's very interesting to me how why those Hasidim, same type, same against you know going to study. Nevertheless, they speak perfect English. So so why? Presumably because the community, this is how I always felt, I'm not sure it's right, I didn't do a, a study of it, but I always felt that in America, America is such an enormous situation, enormous community, this community is not a weak community, it's not a small community, so the, the, the idea of being, of needing to be in the center of, 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 of uh, the power to be able to intercede on behalf of Jewish people is on a few individuals, but it's not like the community as a whole feels in any way insecure. Whereas in England, the community is so small and the Semitism is relatively rife, unfortunately. So I felt that maybe that that's the reason why they're, they're more needing to feel like they're, they're, they're able to talk the language because of the fact that they're more precarious. The position is more precarious. Maybe, I don't know. So anyhow, the Gemara Mila says the following. One time, the, the government at the time said that you're not allowed to keep Shabbos, now do Bismillah, and you have to be boiled needed. So, without getting into details, that was the Gezerah. So the Gemara says, went, the Sipar Kumi, and he went and got himself like a step haircut. He went and got himself whatever the mohawk, whatever was the style at the time for the for the uh, for the for the the government, whatever they wore, that's what he got himself a nice haircut that looked exactly like that. And he went and he sat with them. And he sat down with them and he, and he shmooze with them. And he says to them, you think it's a good idea, your gezerah? You think your gezerah is going to be a good thing? He says, you want the Jewish people to be successful or to be failing? They want to be failing. But he says, do you want to have this store to open on Shabbos or close on Shabbos? What do you think is going to get them more business? Oh, obviously, if they're open. So if they want it to be closed, let it be closed. They won't have any business. They close the stores of Shabbos. Then he says, oh, do you want them to be, you know, more manly men? Right? Or do you want them to be more weaker, more effeminate men? Oh, we want them to be more weaker, effeminate men. Oh, so let them do Bismillah. You know that, that if you look at the Ram Michael Kim at the end, when he talks about Bismillah, that's exactly the reason. He says to do a bris. The reason to do a bris is precisely to make it a situation where it's weakening the person, where it's weakening the desire, it's weakening the taiva, 
the the Gemara says that getting into details that certain things are 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 very difficult because of the situation where somebody is not mahul. It's much more interesting. It's much more pleasurable. So you want to make them less attractive, less interesting. Have them do bris milah. And I think Mark says, what about the says to them, what about the boilers and needles? Again, the same bit. You want them to be over on what their God says, let them do it. Make the God really angry at them. Okay, let them do it. Then the Gemara concludes, and this is very interesting. I don't know what the reason is the Gemara does. The Gemara says that they realize in the end, this is not just some random guy. This is like a, you know, one of the proto-Tanoim. Who remembers Isterobli? So they said, oh, he's making all of these statements. What is he doing it for? He's doing it in order to enable the Jewish people to keep the halacha. So they put all the xeris back into place. I never understood, like, the including line of the Gemara. What is the Gemara trying to say? Is the Gemara trying to say that you, sh- like, without saying it, like, it's a very subtle way of saying, maybe he shouldn't have done the sapakumi, maybe he shouldn't have got the haircut and done the whole thing. Maybe his shtadlanas, it was a bad idea. Like, because, in other words, the distaste, maybe, that the, the narrator here feels is that don't denigrate the Torah to the Goyim in order to have the Goyim not make the Gezerah. That's why I wondered if that was something ongoing on. The Mar doesn't say why. The Mar just says that this was a historical situation. This is what happened. But I wonder if the Gemara felt a little bit of discomfort because of the fact that the reason he got the Gezerah lifted was because he denigrated the Torah. He denigrated the purpose of the mitzvahs in order to be able to get them to say it's okay. Not a, I'm not clear. All right, so now we're moving on to uh, um, the sort of expansion on this idea of Bittal Torah. And, and we'll see a, a, a few examples of this and then a couple of other reasons that you're not supposed to study secular week. We'll see how much we have time for. So then we're going to do now uh, a Taniotic Medrash, the Sifra and the Sifrei. They both say the same thing. The Pazik says, Vidibar Tabam. We say every day in Shema. Vidibar Tabam, what does it mean? You're supposed to speak in this. What is in this? And these things that we're talking about, right? If you, you have to look at the Ahavta, right? I remember the, the first time, uh, um, you know, sometimes in life, you're facing a situation where the person you're talking to thinks you're an ignoramus. So sometimes you're in a situation of the reverse, that you think the person you're talking to is an ignoramus. So I, I, I was in both situations. I'll tell you, what, I'll tell you both stories. So what, I, I have a lot of cousins in England. Um, I'm not, you know, close to the middle. They're like four cousins. Um, and they, they're all... Um, they're all what do you call? They're all um, bells of the season. Um, sons, bells of the I'm not sure what they are now. Um, when I was 17 years old, before I came back to America, I was touring through England and Scotland, and I was dressed, you know, for touring. I had happened to finish Yevamis um, that year um, in yeshiva, and I. I knew it well, and um, I came to visit them. I'd never been to England before, and uh, I stopped by. This is like after Shvetish Nisan. I have two weeks before Yantav. I didn't want to stay at home for two weeks, like going crazy. So I went on, the, on this, you know, this tour. Um, so I stopped by their house, and they're looking at me. This is our cousin in America. Look what they did to the, like, you know, never. I wasn't wearing a yarmulke. I mean, I had like a baseball cap, you know. So I saw Gamar on the table. And wouldn't you know it's fortuitous, right? One massacre was it. 
Yavamas. I don't know if it was Dafyomi or whatever, but it was Yavamas on the table. And I happened to, you know, have learned in the Chassidish Yeshiva when I was a kid, so I speak a little Yiddish. I understand it very well, but I don't speak it that often, so my my you know, my speaking is not as good as it once was. But I said to them in English, because remember, these are Chassidim who speak perfect English. I said, oh, what's that on the table? You know, taking on my total ignoramus kind of a thing. He said, you know what this is? This is a Gemara. And I was like, oh, yeah? And 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 what what uh what what section is that? This is tractate Yevamos. Like, okay, that's cool. And then I proceeded to like, you know, wipe the floor with them. And uh again, it's a little bit of a regret because you know, I think I'm a little bit more mature than today, but then I was not. And I think they walked away seeing like they do it very differently in America. But in the reverse situation here in a in America, I was once talking to somebody because again, you have to understand your own milieu. So to him, I was a, an absolute ice farm, same way I'm telling my summer family in America. But in America, I once met up with somebody who's non-Orthodox. And, you know, I didn't grow up with that at all. And I felt this guy was like an absolute ignoramus. So I said, and I, to my regret, I said, you know that the Shema prayer is not in one place in the Torah. It's like in three different sections. And he looks at me, says, oh, yeah, like in Paris of Eskana and in Paris of Egev and in Paris of I'm like, yes, that, 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 that. He's like, you think I'm not from because I wear like a knitted kippah? You know? So, like, again, I was a kid, but like, you know, to, to, to make judgments on the basis of externality is not the best thing. So anyway, we say Shema every day, but it's how about but my, my, my reason for saying this is if you look at Shema, if you look up at Ahafta, if you look up if, in its own context, in other words, read it in its own context. Forget how Chazal put it. What is the what are the Sukkim telling us? Right? What does it mean? What are we talking about? Right? It, it's it's Kedai. It's helpful to go through Shema in and of itself in the context of where it is, and it's very eye-opening. So for Dibartabam, we understand that you have to talk in it. So what do you have to talk in? Says the, the Madrish. Make the Torah an Iker, make the Torah a mainstay, and don't make it don't make it tough. Don't make your the things that you deal with. Your master matin normally is referring to business. But don't make your master matin, don't make your dealings except in this. Except in what? Except in Torah. Don't mix in. Don't make don't make a challenge. It should just be terrible. We're supposed to talk in this. Where are supposed to be talking about all this stuff? Everywhere you go. Whether you're at home, whether you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're waking up, all the time you're supposed to be dealing with what? Supposed to be dealing with Tyra. So you shouldn't mix anything else with it. You should always be dealing with Tyra. Says the message continues, you shouldn't say, I studied what? The wisdom of the Jewish people. I studied Torah. Now I'm going to study, now I'm going to go study what? The Chachma of the Canaanites. Now it's interesting that he uses the Medrash uses the word Canaanites. Because if you remember, right, we mentioned before the Rambam in the letters, right, the Rambam says that who's the wisdom that's worthwhile studying? It's only the wisdom of the Greeks, right? Because the wisdom of the Canaanites, right? Like the wisdom of the Chaldeans, like the wisdom of the Chaldeans, right? Like the wisdom of the of of, of, of the 
of the unintelligent, of the uninspired, people who are attracted to all sort of magical things, that's not wisdom worthwhile, right? That's what he says in the letter in our astrology. He says, if you look at the Greeks, you'll find nothing on astrology, nothing that the simon where you're born has any impact at all whatsoever. What do they have is astronomy, not astrology. So it's very interesting that in this matter, instead of saying Kalkmas Yavanas, which is what you would expect, that it says Kalkmas Kananan. I don't understand why. But in any event, it says don't mix in any of the Kalkmas Kananan. Because you might say, well, don't mix the Kalkmas Kananan, but it's a bunch of idiocy, it's stupidity. Don't mix that in, right? But if you're talking about the Kalkmas that okay, that's the Seder. Again, I don't want to make the deacon and the Medjah. I'm just saying it's interesting that the Medjah says Kalkmas Kananan, which I'm going to take as an assumption that it means Kalkmas Yavanas, even though it's weird because it doesn't say that. Um, that's what it means that what the Torah says you have to go in this way you should never make yourself putter from it the idea being that you're supposed to be talking and dealing and toiling in what? in Tyra, Tyra, Tyra you shouldn't be mixing anything else you shouldn't make any challenge of anything else a similar medrash is all that's in the Sifrei there's a similar medrash in the Sifra which says basically the same thing um and so we won't go through. Oh, so let's just the end of it. It says, um, uh, So because the Torah is with you at all times, we know the Gemara, the end of the tradition, we talked about it before, we touched on the Mishnah, that the difference between Rabbi Naharai and the other man, the Amrach, because we say you have to teach it on a profession. Rabbi Nara says, I'm only going to teach much on terror. Why? Because the terror is there with you when you're young and it's there with you when you're old. We're all getting to that place in life, uh, hopefully 50 or 60. At some point, we'll be retired and we're going to be figuring out what we're doing with our time. What's, what are we going to do with our time? We're going to sit there, you know, trying to uh, play golf, maybe. That's an option. Fighting with our wife. I mean, there's like, what, what do we do at that age? At that certain age of life, the terror stays with you. So if you know how to learn, if you learn how to learn when you're younger, and when you're older, you, you could appreciate this room, you can learn on your own, you can do things that keep you interested and make life worth living. And then, of course, when you're not here anymore, then the Torah stays with you. So the idea being that study Torah today, study it more and more, because it's always with you. It never gets old. It always gets more interesting. It always gets more to, to mind, more to plumb. And it says, uh, so, yeah. So, so basically, again, the same idea that don't intermix anything with Torah. You should always be studying Torah because Torah will be a solace for you throughout your life, even when you're old and infirm. Torah is still there with you. So, what do we see from this? We see from these Paniatic Midrash, and we see from these Midrash, the Sephron, the Sephray. This is nothing to do with what the Greeks and the Romans are fighting, nothing to do with that. This is not saying either what. It's not saying that you shouldn't mix it because of the fact that it's us or Vikisbeyam This is a new source that has to do with Bittal Torah, right? Before the source is what? Vikisbeyam Valayla. What was the problem with Vikisbeyam Valayla? Remember what we said. The problem with Vikisbeyam Valayla is that what? It's a puzzle from Yeshua. It's not a puzzle from Klamish. Supposedly from Yeshua, we don't learn, right, from Navi, right? We don't learn halachas from Navi. We learn what? From the Torah, it says. The Torah doesn't say it. We want, we're going to come now and learn a new mitzvah from the, from the Navi? We don't do that. 
right? From from the from the from the words of the prophets, they didn't add anything to the Torah. The prophets never add. They're not allowed to add anything to the Torah. So all they do is amplify. All they do is explain, elucidate the Torah, but they're not adding to the Torah. So now we have a, this Taniyotic Medrash. Now we have two, right? We have two Taniyotic Medrash that are showing us the same idea, but this time from a Pasuk in the Torah. Which Pasuk is that? From Chumash itself, that we should learn out that we shouldn't be studying anything else. It's not a situation of that it's us or in terms of you know studying other things um, but it's much of a profession, but the Karma is not talking about that. It's just saying as a positive thing, with the bar you should always be attempting to study Torah. That is something that will stay with you when you're older, it'll stay with you in Elamapa. You should always be doing it as as ideally as much as you possibly can. So now we have a second source on this notion of Bitl Torah. This time instead of from Bidithvayamvalaila, we have it now from the Bhatabam, right? Because you remember the Pasik over there in Yeshua, it says, Well, Yamar Sevar Torah Azemi Pika. Right, it's like a negative thing. Don't right, ever let this Torah go away from you. You should always be studying it day and night. And so the question is, is that a new law? Is that a new thing that we're bringing from Yeshua? Again, now we're seeing from these Midrashim that it's not a new law. The law could be potentially sourced from Chumash itself. All right. So now we're going to a later Midrashim. Medrash Rabbah says the following. The Medrash Rabbah says a new point a new reason not to study secular wisdom. All right, so we've, we've discussed that what? Because of the Romans and the and the fighting. we discussed because of Bittal Torah from Yisim and Valayl. we discussed because of Bittal Torah and the Yivarit Abam. Now we see in Chazal additional strands as to why we shouldn't be studying secular wisdom. And this gets really into the heart now of some of the reasons that we can, again, see to this very day. So... We have a medrash here. The medrash rabbi says the following: "says The the pasuk there is is saying that uh, that a person should be not overloading himself with books because you can have too many books, right? Ecclesiastes, you can have too many books. Right? You can have one of these. I, I don't know if you ever felt this, but it's something I always felt about. Thank God when I was younger, not so much now, but felt. That. I remember you come into like a situation like. Let's say a Gemara, a, a new Masech, a new, a new Zman, or a new deal. And let's say, the, let's say you're coming to a new deal, and the deal's been going on already for months. You're being brought in now for whatever the reason. It's overwhelming. Like, the deal's been going on for months. You have to catch up on all of these things. Like, and, and you have no time. It's an overwhelming thing. Where do you start? And it's almost like you sit down and like, okay, I can't do it. Then you realize, okay, the only way I can do this, they really have to take it apart piece by piece, slowly. Not get excited and don't let anybody else's time with make me crazy. The same in learning, right? When 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 you walk into a library, so it's it's exciting. There's so many books, and then it's like depressing. Like, oh my god, I'm never gonna know any of this. I'm such an ignoramus. There's no possible way that my little pea brain can manage to comprehend all this information. I can sit here for a whole lifetime. I'll never get it. What's even worth starting for? Right? The Gemara in the beginning tells us that that's something that a person feels when they come to study Gemara. They say, how am I ever going to become a successful Torah scholar? Look how wide the Torah is. Every single thing that, there's not one thing that's a halacha p'tuk. Everything's debated. Everything's a fight. There's a, hey, if you really want to know Torah, it, 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 it's, it's mind-numbing. You'll go, go crazy. How could you ever make a success in learning? It's so enormous. It's so massive. The corpus never ends. So the, the Mar says, don't be depressed like that. Don't say that. 
you should rather you should do slowly piecemeal do what you enjoy first like slowly slowly and eventually if you study you keep on studying you'll be able to make an inroad in learning so one of the things that i'm saying is don't have too many like don't overwhelm yourself with books it's not clear from the verse itself why not like what was the reason so the measures tells us what what it thinks the reason is you might have thought that the reason you shouldn't have so many books in your house, why? Because you're not going to end up studying any of it. You're going to be like, oh my God, so much books, right? You you buy a library, it's enormous, you can't make any inroads, you get the press and you move on. Or you use it like some people use a library, which is, it's a, it's a good conversation piece. It's a nice addition to a home, but not to actually read any of the books. I mean, that's a different story, right? So, so that's how you might think. Says the Medrash, that's not the reason. The Medrash says that the reason don't bring in any extra books in your house more than the 24 books of Tanakh. Why? Because it's darshing the Lashon Mehema. It says, don't read it as Mehema. Don't bring in more than these books. Read Mehema as Mehuma. What's a mahuma? It's a crazy, it's a, it's a nuts, right? It, it, it's, it's making a difficult situation. Because if you bring more than 24 books of Tanakh in your house, you bring in any additional piece of wisdom, i.e. secular wisdom, because the Gemara is not written down, right? At that time, it's all oral. The mission, there's no, there's no other books. It's not 100% true, right? Because they always had Sifra Dagada. They always had random notebooks that they had for themselves. But, but don't bring in any other books aside from the canon of the 24 books, because if you do, you're going to create a muhuma, you're going to create a crazy situation in the home. And the marriage gives an example. What are these books that you're not allowed to bring in? We're not talking here about Aristotle's physics or his metaphysics. We're not talking about here that the Iliad or the Odyssey. What are we talking about? We're talking about the Apocrypha, right? We're talking about the, the, the additional books that didn't make it into Tanakh. Because you know, now, when it came time to decide on the 24 books of Tanakh, there was a whole big debate. Which books are allowed to come Which books are not allowed to come in? The books of Yeshaya, the books of Yechazgul. There were books that had issues. The books of Kaihelis, the book of Shashirim. There were books that had issues that they didn't necessarily want to take into Tanakh. And they eventually decided that these are the books that have a divine imprimatur. They have a divine inspiration. They are meant to come in to the canon. It stopped it at 24 and Zehu. Nothing else. So what are the books they now that have in your house? Ben Sira, Ben Tigla. These are books that were competing to make it into the canon. Ben Sira especially. And it didn't make it into the canon. Ben Sira didn't make it into the 24 books of Tanakh. We don't know about it today. I mean, unless you have one on your shelf, you know, one of those things. But nobody's really studying Ben Sira. But it was one of the canonists to come into Tanakh. It didn't come in. So says the what do you call, says the Medrash, if you have been seated in your house, you're creating a mahuma. You're creating a problem. You're creating an issue. So the, the, the marriage concludes that the books of Ben Sira, Ben Tigla, you're allowed to, you know, potentially read it to, to a degree, but only to read it superficially, but not to be yeg in it, not to, not to really be, you know, yam of a lila. You know, uh, not like the Torah, they're not, they're not allowed to study it like that. So what do we see from this Medrash? We see from this Medrash now 
that we discussed, we discussed my Vigis of Yom Valayla. Now we're saying a new Pasuk. This is a, a Pasuk, nothing to do with the Kumish, right? It's a Pasuk from Suba. But we're saying not to have additional books. And one of the books that we're saying you're not allowed to have additional of, Bensir Ben Tigla, which are non canon books. These are books outside the canon. And the reason that they didn't make it in was because Kazal decided they didn't have whatever divine inspiration in them. We'll see maybe a little bit more as to why. But if you bring them in, it's a mahuma that you bring to your house, A, and B, that not 100% also to study it, but if, you, if you're reading it, reading it on a by-the-by, that's okay. But studying it, making it like a higaya, making it like making it like a really higaya, that you're not allowed to do. So that's, um, that's uh, one version of this matter, which appears in Kahalas, on that positive of the Yisra, Behemah, B'ni, Zer, Sperm, and Kate. And then there's another magic, similar magic from Magic Rabbi, also like Tashish Nasai. And the magic says, Omar Gadish Borhu, Khaftal, and Sparm Tasafi, the five gave you 24 books. He Zorv al Tazvalim. Don't add on to any of them. Why? Lama, I say Sparm Harbi and Kate. Home me Shakur, Pasak Shin, and Mikhaftal, and Sparm. He Ilu Kayrebi Sparm Hakitanish. Anybody who reads, anybody who Kayreb, anybody who reads the Pasak. From outside the Chavdal Tzfar, because remember, Ben Sira is written like Tzukim, right? Ben Sira is written like Tzukim also. It's just not a part of the Chavdal Tzfar. So anybody who reads, what does Kere mean? Does Kere mean like reading like a paper, or it means like Yelani, like a like Baal Kriya? Like what does Kere mean? That's going to be something to keep in the back of mind. We'll see later on this, uh, uh, that that's debated. But for now, we'll just say the word read. So anybody who's reading a safe from outside the Chavdal's farm, from the farm Kitsaina, now what are we talking about here? We're not talking about here about Ben Safer of Ben Sir Ben Tig. We're talking about outside works, outside the Chavdal's farm. Svarm Kitsaina. Again, a key word. Anybody who does this is losing its Kelik and Elam Haba. And the message continues. And we, we know this. That's the Gemara that we'll do later on in Sanhedrin. So we have two versions of this Medrash here. I think I may have put in another one. Um, no. Um, so these two versions of the Medrash Rabbah, one is saying that if you read more than the 24 books and it gives you the example of Ben Sira Ben Sigla, that's creating a Muhumma in your house. Another version of the manager says if you read any books outside the 24 books, doesn't mention Ben Sira Ben Sigla. Any book outside the 24 books, that's Svarim Kitsainim. And that causes you to lose your Chelek and Alamaba. What things to remember are what is Svarim Kitsainim? What is Kairimi? All right. So now, so now I want to move it on to. Um, uh, Gemara, everybody knows this Gemara. Gemara in the beginning of Brachas. The Gemara says that that Hakadosh um, Baruch Hu has inlay Hakadosh Baruch Hu aladalad amis shel halacha. Hakadosh Baruch Hu is only involved in the four cubits of halacha. What, what that means? We we'll have to get into it for a second. So Rav Chizda says, what does it mean? Oyev Hashem sharetzim kol mishkanes yakev. Oyev Hashem sharem amtzion ba halacha. Yerisim ba teknesias ba tmejash. Hashem prefers. The gates of halacha 
more than the base Medrash, more than the base Knesset. That's what Priya Barami said that from the day that the base Medrash was destroyed, that Akarish Borhu has nothing but Ilama, whatever that means, except for the Dalit Amashahala. So what do we see from that? Right? What do we see from that? We see from that that Akarish Borhu's involvement, as it were, in his own study, whatever that means, again, we don't understand these kind of words are, are absurd to think of them literally, but clearly is showing a preference for the study of halacha. But let's understand that in the gradations of things, halacha is coming number one. What's coming number two? A base knesses or base madrash, which goes to show you that even in those days, that they what? That they would study, maybe in the base madrash, they wouldn't study in halacha per se. Right, the basic senses, they certainly didn't study the basic senses was for davening. And then the more continues there, Abaya says that in the beginning, in the beginning, I would learn in my house and I would daven in the basic senses. When I heard this word of Kibar Ami, I what I what I did instead was that now they have a matilna, and I would only study where I I would only daven where I study. So what are we seeing from this Gemara is that, as it were, again, with all the qualifications that we can give, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is only involved in Halakha. There's nothing else, nothing else that's of interest, nothing else that, if it's not of interest to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, question whether or not it should be of interest to us. All right. So now we get to a Gemara, and with this, we, well, well this, this next two, uh, I think it's going to take us to the end for today. Um, yeah, I don't know how far we will get from this. Okay, fine. So here we get finally to this very famous Gemara in Menachas. We've mentioned this Gemara before. This is a uh, this is a an unbelievable Gemara. I, I'll do a little bit more from the Gemara because you'll see why, why I mean it's so unbelievable. The Gemara says the following: Amar Ami Nilmaid. We learn from the words of Rabbi Yesi the following. That uh, the midvarsh of Yosi Nilman, I feel like Shana Adam El Perik Echad Shachas Perik Echad Arvis. If a person only learns one parak in the morning and one parak in the night, it means he learns very little, just a little bit in the morning and a little bit at night. Kiyem mitzvahs loyomish sefer teres He's mekayim the mitzvah of loyomish. Remember we said about loyomish? This was the pasuk that Rabbi Yeshua used loyomish sefer teres zemipicha begitu yomvalayla. That was the pasuk he used for what? Tell you why you have to learn day and night. And the only time you could study Chachmas Yifanis was when? In the Mishra Shalai, Yerim Lai, the only time it's not day or night. So here we have a Vart from the words of Rabbi Yaisi. We see that if somebody just studies a little bit in the morning, a parak, after in the morning, a parak, after at night, he's in a kind of the midst of Layamosh. You're done. Just that a little bit, you're done. Right? I'm Rabbi Yechanan, Mishim Rabbi Shemayachai. I feel like Kar Adam Elakriyash Mashakim Zvairvis Kim Layamosh. Even further, you don't have to learn a paragraph Even if you just say Kriyashma in the morning and you say Kriyashma at night, that's enough to be the mitzvah of La Yomosh. Just saying Kriyashma in the morning or night. And it's also to say this in front of ignorance. Why? It's also to say it in front of ignorance because what are they going to do with it? They're not going to learn ever. They're just going to say, oh, I said Shema. I'm good. But I said around the morning and then I don't have to do anything else. The Rava Amar, no. Rava says different. Rava says, Mitzvah, the Amar of the Amar. 
It's a mitzvah to say this in front of ignoramuses. Tell them they're not being bad Jews. Right? It's a very interesting thing to how to relate to Jewish people, right? From this Gemara. Right? Do you want people to feel like they're 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 terrible, that they're lacking? Give them musr. You're a bunch of nothings, right? You don't learn at all, you don't study at all, you're ignoramuses. Right, you're not being kind of the mitzvahs and Tyra. That's one approach, right? The other approach is you're great, you're wonderful. There are certain men, the Arm Chazal, who say you're the best. You've been kind of the mitzvah of studying Torah. As long as you say Shema, say Shema in the morning and the night, you're done. Wow, I'm amazing. I just do Shema. Says Rabbi, yeah, you just do Shema, and that will inspire you. If you think you're a good person, you'll end up doing more. Very interesting, right? The the the. The distinction over here between how what the approach is if you're allowed to say it in front of Amar Arts or not in front of Amar Arts. Then I think Mark continues, and think Mark says the following question, which is the exact question that we had to have Yeshua. And I've mentioned this outside before, but here it is. Show Ben This Ben Dama, the nephew of Rabbi Shmuel, the one who what? Who died because his uncle Rabbi Shmuel wouldn't let him get healed by the heretic, right? Yaakov Minoy. Because he said it, because Minas is Mashka, it's gonna take you. If you get healed by such a heretic, he's gonna convince you. To do bad things. So he's a nephew, Rabbi Shmuel, the same way there was a nephew, Rabbi Shmuel. They're both very learned people. And he asked him, What about me? I learned Kola Terakula. There's nothing I don't know. Am I allowed to study? You said on him, You're not allowed to what? Study anything else. Why? Because. You have to study day and night Torah. Say, Go find an hour in the day. That's not a part of the day and that's not part of the night. Again, Manish Pasha doesn't seem to be on the table. It's not part, it's part of the day or night. We're not sure which one, but it's certainly part of it. Go find a part of the, t- the day, part of time. It's not a part of time. Obviously, no such thing. So you can't study any of it. That's what you can study. And and he disagrees with Shuman Achmeni, who said the name of Yenison that the mitzvah of the Pazig of the Gisla of Yemen Valayla is not a chayv, it's a mitzvah. It's not a chayv, I'm sorry, it's not a mitzvah, it's a bracha. So now look at how we've gone in terms of this Pazig of Layam and Sefer Teres and Picha. Right, we have Leo Mr. There is anything on the story of Rabbi Yeshua, and if you're not allowed to study anything except for Tarvik, Yisrael Belial, means literally. And then we saw, right, we, we saw the uh, gradations on that that said, well, no, it's not from there necessarily, it's from Dibar Tabam. And now, then we saw that one second, Leo Mr. There is that doesn't mean to study all day and night. It means to study a parak echad. It means to study a, one, one parak, pasak echad. Minimum amount. And then we serve Shem Bayechai that said, What? That's not even a parakachon. It's what? It's like a pause. It's like a few psukim. It's like saying Shema. That's it. So, La Yomush, Begisim Valayla, potentially Kibim Mikhaim in a very small way. You don't have to study all day long Kibim Mikhaim. You can just simply what? You simply say Shema. You simply learn one parakach and you're done. And then we have the opinion of Shmuel by Rachmani Bashem Abyanisan. Who says the Gisa Yom Valila is not a chayva? It's not a mitzvah. It's a bracha. Hashem is giving you a bracha. You should be able to have the time, the wherewithal, the monetary comfort that you should be able to study all day. It's a bracha for all of us, right? We should be able to study all day. 
So you see now what? In this Gemara Alain, you see how many opinions on it? Right? You have the opinion of, right? you have the, the opinion from uh, the name of Rabbi Yaisi, from Rabbi Ami, you have the opinion from Rabbi Yechonon, the name of Shemayachai, you have the opinion of Rabbi Shmuel Nachman, and Rabbi Yenison. and yes, you have the opinion of Rabbi Shmuel, who says that it's Vigitha Yom Valayla, means day and night, literally. Four opinions on Layamash. Yes? Four opinions on Layamash. Only one of them says you have to study day and night. The other ones are saying, not at all, you have to study at all. It's a bracha, you should have the time to study. One saying that you should study a paragraph or a pasig, uh, 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 one paragraph, one saying that you should know a pasig, you know, say Shema. So that's the panoply of the Gizviyam Valayal. But of course, who wins the day? The opinion of Rabbi Shmuel wins the day. That's the famous opinion. That's the opinion of Rabbi Shmuel. Also, in the Tesefta that we saw, that the Gizviyam Valayal means literally day and night. And go find the time, not the day or the night, that that's when you can study secular wisdom. And why might that have been? Remember, because the Gemara is a whole debate whether they allowed to tell us the ignoramuses. If you tell people that they don't have to study, are they going to study or they're not going to study? This is a debate I always have with my wife, you know, with the kids. Should you make it a situation where you're demanding something of them, where you're making them do it, where you're forcing them to study? And then eventually, hopefully, you know, you know, like uh, Stockholm syndrome, right? You know, like the like the halach. Mar says that if a man doesn't want to divorce his wife, so you create for nice Hashemers and you beat him until he finally decides he wants to do it. So make your kids study, learn, learn, learn all day long, even if they hate it, hate it, hate it. Because at some point, like the Stockholm syndrome, eventually they'll come to love it. One option, right? Anybody read here the Tiger Mom, the Wall Street Journal that a uh, uh, story recently because of the problem with Amy Chua's husband. And Yale is a bit of an issue with the way they, uh, you know, maybe treated some of the, 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 the students there, right? But you read the book about the tiger mom, right? Her kids, they each won the top of the class, scholastically. They each play, I don't know how many instruments. Why? Because she was a nasty mother. She wasn't, she didn't give them kisses and hugs. She said, you better study the piano 17 hours a day. So that's one way to do it. And then you get it, then eventually become an amazing player and you enjoy it. Or do you take the approach that says, no, it has to come naturally to them. Don't push them. Let them do what they do in school. And Zeu Gamainu, which happens to be my own personal approach because I grew up with it. My parents were always saying, learn, learn, learn. I'm like, I'm not learning anything. You forced me only when they stopped, when I was away, when they stopped telling me anything. That's when I started learning because I didn't want to be pushed into it. I didn't want to be forced into it. So I read novels. This. I had my kids read novels. All day. The same idea being that I wanted to well up from them. I don't want it to be unnatural. I don't want to force them. It has to come from them. It has to come from them. So it could be that over here in this in this variation of this apostolic about what's the right way to go about uh, in terms of teaching your children, how to understand it, the opinions that said that it's just a little bit to do, that didn't win the day. What won the day was study, study, study all day. And and all the other opinions sort of went by the wayside. Most people certainly not brought down by Allah, and no one quotes these opinions. All right. So yeah, so the for sure right. Absolutely depends on the person, for sure. So um we'll conclude with one Tysmith, and that'll be all for today. So the, the, the it's a very interesting Tysis in Menachas. Taisa asks a question. Taisa says, I don't understand. Why did Rabbi Shmuel come to ask his father, and uh, his, oh, I'm sorry, why did Rabbi Shmuel's nephew come to ask Rabbi Shmuel if he's allowed to study Chachmah Tivanus? 
What do you, what do you mean? You're allowed to study Chachmas Yavanis. Didn't you hear about the Gezerah? Wasn't there a Gezerah that the rabbis put a curse to anybody who studies with, with the, the children of Chachmas Yavanis? So maybe you could say, well, he wasn't studying with, with his father. He was studying on his own. Maybe the curse wouldn't apply. It's possible. You can make that answer. That's not what Taisus says. Taisus gives three other answers. Taisus seems to understand that the gezerah of studying Chachmas Yavanis for your son is maybe a gezerah on your own study also, even though it wasn't clear in the Gemara that way. Taisus says three reasons why, why he was willing, Ben Dama was willing to study Chachmas Yavanis despite the fact that there was already a curse put on it. Taisus has three answers. The first answer that Taisus gives, the first answer that Taisus gives is the fact that um, maybe uh, it, when there's a specific need that's involved, we know there's no gezera, right? If somebody's car of the mouthless. So maybe Ben Dumb had a specific need that he thought he had to study. And Rishmael said, you don't have a need. The second answer to this is maybe that the gezera was initially just a curse, but it wasn't a prohibition. And only over time it became prohibition, but really it was just a curse initially. And uh, third answer is that they tried maybe to uh, institute this curse or prohibition a few times, and it wasn't accepted. So maybe Ben Dhamma thought it was okay because it wasn't really accepted at that point in time. And we're all saying, no, no, it's already been accepted. So again, from this, including Taisa, uh, what we see is perhaps that going back to what we said before in relation to not studying with your son, not to teach your son, is not necessarily your son. It could also potentially be on your own study. We don't know exactly what, how Bedam was planning to study. But what we've seen today is a little bit more about Rabbi Avo and an interesting understanding of the Gisabim Belayla, four different options. And we've seen the potential there are other options as well, which is in Bedibar Tabam. And lastly, what we saw is that when it comes to studying anything outside of Tanakh, forget Greek books, forget Greek works, even what the Tzvarm Ben Sira, Ben Tigla, or any other books outside the 24 books of Tanakh, it could be that there are potentially issues over there in terms of any other study of Tzvarm Kitsainim to the point either you're going to create a muhuma in your house or you're going to create a situation of losing Island Haba. Yes, you can.